Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. Today, we're talking about Star Wars, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, Part 3, the part with all of the fun stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your host, Pat. (laughs) And I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. All right, so we have gotten through the storm of Anakin suddenly turning to the dark side, which makes very little sense. But it happens. <laughs> and now he's gone on a killing rampage in the Jedi Temple. The proverbial S hits the fan at this point, And the show jumps around quite a lot. So I think we mentioned in our last episode that we missed a bunch of scenes. So I guess we can talk about them now. First one that comes to mind is Jimmy Smith's Organa coming in to check out the Jedi Temple. Ah, right. And he pulls up in the speeder and gets out. And the troopers are like, sir, there's been a revolt. We've got it under control. You need to leave now. And the more scary part about this is the troopers like, no, 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 no. I don't care that you're you're a high-ranking member of the government. You need to leave now. It's like, huh. Look, I'm pointing my gun at you at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I know who you are and you need to go. Yeah. That's when red flags start showing up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm effectively the closest you can get to being a robot as a person, as a clone. So, you know, I'm going <laughs> to. And then Jimmy turns around to go to leave. And suddenly this, how old did you say? Probably 12-year-old boy. Yeah, somewhere in that range. Yep. Jumps out of nowhere, starts fighting them. And Jimmy sees what's happening. I mean, the kid's holding his own for a bit. And then all of a sudden he starts getting shot. And then, you know, Jimmy's like, oh, no, they shot a kid. And it's like, well, the kid was cutting them down. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's pretty bad they shot a kid. But the kid was putting up a fight. And then the troopers started, like, you're like, oh, we've got a witness. <laughs> yes. And he's like, oh, I better go. I'm going to jump in my speeder and fly oh, away. But it was such a drastic turn of those troopers. It was like, oh, shit, there was a witness. Kill him. It was like, well, wait, you don't have orders to kill high-ranking members of the government? I think they say that. One of them says that, and the other one's like, no, 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 let him go. Right, but they took shots at him. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Can't win them all, I guess. <laughs> I guess when they started taking their shots at the Senate, that's when, you know, it went downhill from there with the troopers. Yes, hit the fan, baby. We know how to shoot highly trained Jedi, random civilians in their sporty cars. (laughs) So you're telling me they're really trained crack shots? Yes, in this scene and this scene only, and then never again through the entire franchise. Oh, okay. (laughs) Apparently they were doing good enough to win a war, but... Yeah, they did kill a lot of other Jedi, but not so much senators. And robots. Yes, the robots. You have that happen. I believe after that is the... It's C-3PO comforting or attempting to comfort Aunt Amidala. Uh-huh. And she's just staring out the window looking at the fire, and he walks up. And I can't even remember what he says, but it's, you know, it's C-3PO. <laughs> so it's effectively useless. And no, so that actually comes later. He says something... To the effect of, uh, you know, Master uh, Anakin is a, is a very talented and brave. I'm sure he's he's okay. And then he wanders off and she bursts into tears, which is probably the most believable scene <laughs> <laughs> from a Padme Anakin perspective out of the entire series. Although their portrayal in this, this movie was in general way better than it was in 
Attack of the Clones, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are still some moments, but then I mean, I've got some good theories as to why why some of the stuff happens later on. But now that I've had a chance to watch it a couple more times, <laughs> we've got that scene, and then that's rapidly followed by a scene where. I think Yoda escapes, and so you have the troopers come up on these walkers, and they they see a crashed Wookiee flying ship, and they're like, ah, these Wookiees are dead. And then they go on, and you're kind of like, I'm wondering what the trooper stance on the Wookiees is at this point, because they were literally fighting alongside them, like, I don't know, 10 minutes ago in screen time. Right. <laughs> like, like, did they, like, did the turn on the Jedi also mean turn on the people we were fighting with against the robots? Or what? what's the deal? <laughs> well, what it probably came down to is because the Wookiee uh, honor code is so strong that word rang out real far and quick that the troopers turned on the Jedi. So, you know, the Wookiees probably fought back a little bit and anybody who was fighting against the troopers, you know, obviously. Yeah. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that that's the reasoning behind it. Not that they specifically had any sort of anti-alien orders or anything like that, that it was just more of the, we're trying to get the Jedi and these guys are trying to fight us, so we're going to kill them so we can go kill the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe, given Palpatine being who he is, maybe this was just part, like Order 66 was not just kill the Jedi, it was also, you know, established military presence wherever you happen to be. <laughs> you notice they didn't even really try to see how dead those Wookiees were. Mm -hmm. They were just like, ah, they look dead to me, let's move on. We're hunting a Jedi. <laughs> I notice their voices seem a little bit harsher from this point on. And then you have Obi-Wan coming up from the water, showing us that, yes, indeed, he's alive, and he's got the rebreather on. First appeared in a James Bond movie, and freaked out the CIA, if I remember correctly, or the FBI. The British SAS. Oh, the British SAS. They were like, we need that thing. And they're like, it, it's just a piece of tubing. <laughs> <laughs> How do you make that work? It's a movie. Click. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, it's a movie. It's a me, Mario. <laughs> So, uh, and then you have the later scene, slightly later scene, where Obi-Wan gets out of the water and... Jumps in the fighter. Yeah. He, he first sneaks up on Cody, asking the troopers, hey, did you find Obi-Wan's body? And they're like, no, but nobody could have survived that fall. And then he sneaks up to the fighter and flies off. And that's when he gets the message from... Jimmy Smith's Organa. <laughs> Bail? Bail Organa? <laughs> yeah, Bail Organa. That's what I said. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand what the sign is all about. Moving on. Moving on, man. <laughs> <laughs> so then you have, I don't know if it's a scene on the ship or if it's... The scene where Anakin goes to uh, Amidala. No, no, I think you're getting confused. Amidala goes to Anakin. No, no, no. Anakin goes to her and tells, and and she asks what's going on. You know, this is still on uh, Coruscant. Oh, oh, okay. You're you're right. You're right. At this point, like we're switching scenes every like thirty seconds. Like <laughs> it's so <laughs> rapid. I mean, George Lucas must have been out of some serious riddling. I mean. <laughs> George, can, can we slow down this? Can we slow down the scene? Changes, it's starting to get my stuff. <laughs> starting to affect my stuff. 
Uh, well, Jim, if you'd gone to CBS like I told you to, we wouldn't be jumping around like this. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay, so no, we'll do Anakin and Padme. <laughs> okay, so Anakin shows up at her spacious villa at the time. You know, I have to assume they're just like ultra rich because they, they have literally the top of the well, building. Yeah, she's <laughs> a really well renowned and senior senator from a very rich planet. Yeah, okay. I, I guess so. I don't know what they trade, but apparently it's important enough to blockade them. <laughs> <laughs> so. No one ever finds out the trade details. <laughs> so, what are you trading? <laughs> Why is this important? Right. So, Harry is like, uh, you know what's going on? I saw fire. So, this is Anakin's first interaction with somebody and having decided to turn to the dark side where he's not intending to kill them. And you can kind of see, like, the gears moving in his head. Like, hmm. She's probably not going to like the fact that I killed a whole bunch of kids. Hmm. (laughs) Like, I I came up with this theory a little bit later in the movie, but I'll introduce it now. Basically, Anakin at this point is the guy who cheated on his woman and is now trying to justify everything. Okay. All right. Expound. (laughs) Well, basically at this point, anything that pops into his head, negative or positive towards himself, he is trying to justify so if he's worried about someone thinking negatively about him, he's justifying his actions or trying to justify their emotions negatively. Okay, go into that last part So there. basically, if somebody thinks he did something wrong, then he goes, well, that's because either they were manipulated or they themselves are evil in order to make him feel that he's right. Yeah, and you definitely get that later on, especially his conversations with Obi-Wan. Right. You're kind of like, ah, you are believing your own lies at this point. <laughs> right. And this is kind of where that starts. Right, because he's doing all of this simply because Darth Sidious, the Emperor, put it into his head that only he could save his wife. And in order to do that, Anakin has to destroy the Jedi. So you, you see, he's like, okay, I'm going to play this off, explaining to the wife that I had to kill all of those Jedi. Oh, wait, no. He doesn't even say he was there. Right. He does the like first stage of lying to somebody which is i'm only going to tell them partial truths (laughs) right like i've got this dark side addiction on the side but in order to keep them from it i'm going to explain these little side truths you know these little truths i had to work late tonight honey (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) oh no i i i uh gave somebody a ride home from work that's why i was in that part of town (laughs) And that you can see that on my phone. And I'm turning the tracking off now so you can never check on me again. <laughs> That's what's going on here. He's he's telling half the truth. So, yeah, there was an attempt on the on the Chancellor's life. And and the Jedi have trying to take over the government, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> which is the first, like, actual lie. And then you get Amidala's immediate response. I can't believe that. That's bullshit. <laughs> He's like, I don't know, honey. I saw it. I was there. I was kind of there. You know, <laughs> I, you know I'm, I'm not going to tell you that I was the reason why a lot of that happened, but... <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm not saying I set fire to the Jedi Temple and killed a bunch of younglings. Well, goodbye. <laughs> I'm just not saying that. <laughs> I'm just yeah, I'm not, not going to say that out loud, because I'm just not <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, he 
quote unquote reassures her. And she asks him, what about Obi-Wan? And he goes, well, we'll just have to hope that he's still loyal to the Chancellor. Which is very much his like 20 year old frontal lobe, not completely formed. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have to deal with Obi-Wan eventually. (laughs) Well, I'm just not going to think about that. (laughs) You know what? You know what? If I explain to him exactly my thinking, I'm sure he'll understand. Yes. (laughs) I like Obi-Wan. He's like a a father to me, and I'm sure I won't have to kill him. Yep, that's how that's going to go down. (laughs) Then he goes to Mustafar. And that's when uh, C-3PO is like standing there. Oh, so he's talking to, um, (laughs) he's talking to uh, R2 the whole time. And you can hear R2 like kind of making noises and he's like, gosh, R2, you're being too loud. And you can, you just tell like R2 saying stuff like, I don't know, man. (laughs) Stuff's going bad. (laughs) Something's not right here. I, I don't have a good feeling about this guy. <laughs> yeah, this, this I feel like terrible things have gone on. And and, and C-3PO's like, well, he's under a lot of stress. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so incredible how a protocol droid whose sole purpose is to understand other people doesn't understand people at all. Yeah, you definitely get the feeling that R2 has a much better read of the situation, especially what happens when he gets to Mustafar. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Anakin gets out of the ship and he pops out and he's falling along with Anakin and Anakin's all like, hey, stay with the ship. Like you get a feeling that R2's like, he's either like the worrying like grandmother who's sitting there with like wringing her hands like, oh no, what's going to happen? Or it's like the disc girlfriend who's all like, I don't need you. <laughs> no, what it is, is that in, going back to the analogy that I've used before, he's that buddy that Anakin took along with him and said, hey man, I'm just going to go in this house real quick and talk to this person. I'll be right back. And all the while, R2's going, I know you're going to hit up that woman. I know where I'm at and I don't feel comfortable here. I, I just want you to know, I do not feel comfortable here. This is damaging our friendship, man. <laughs> This is not cool. I am not going to lie to Lucinda about this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Lucinda, huh? You just go real deep for the creative name. I had to come up with a name. <laughs> you want me to make up a Star Wars name for R2-D2's <laughs> girlfriend and or wife? <laughs> I'm just saying, you reach back to 1920 there, man. <laughs> really? You think Lucinda's a 1920 name? <laughs> I was thinking like 60s. See, Pat, I'm not putting that much thought into it. <laughs> You're forcing me to. I just pulled that name because I felt like it. <laughs> what the hell? <sighs> okay, I don't even know what the bleep we're talking about anymore. Banking <laughs> goes to Mustafar. Oh, yeah, okay. No, so I think there's some stuff that happens before that. Well, we went over 3PO. That's right. 3PO says, I'm I'm completely worthless here. I feel so useless. <laughs> yeah, that's because you are. You are, 3PO. You are. Although he is the only character in all of the movies who acts like himself in all of the movies. <laughs> How does R2 not act like himself? Uh, R2 acts like a rock for the vast majority of episode 7. Oh, wow. And then gets a couple <laughs> beeps in at the end. Yeah, yeah. You forgot about that, huh? Yeah, so did everybody else. Why? Because R2 wasn't doing nothing. That's why. But that wasn't like his fault. It wasn't like a conscious effort on his part. Doesn't matter. He was the <laughs> C-3PO got his role in that movie and R2 didn't. R2 got shafted, yes. <laughs> I agree. 
Okay. Okay. So, you know, we really didn't cover Yoda leaving Kashyyyk, I guess. Oh, we did, because we talked about the troopers overlooking the dead Wookiees. Oh, yeah, but we didn't actually say, like, that was the point at which (laughs) Yoda left in the spaceship. Chewbacca picks Yoda up, and they go to a camouflaged space capsule. It's like someone took an escape pod and just put it on the ground. Mm -hmm. And we actually find out that the Wookiee is Chewbacca, because he says, goodbye, Chewbacca, at Tarfur. And then, yeah, the thing launches into space. Yeah, that's about it. I guess then, so Anakin takes off for Mustafar, and we see the scene where the Viceroy and all the other folks who are part of the Separatist movement are talking to, he's not the Emperor yet, he's still the Chancellor, (laughs) but Sidious. And Sidious tells them that the war is over and that his new apprentice, Darth Vader, will be there to take care of them. It isn't ominous at all. Yeah, it's not at all. <laughs> not at all. I think we go to the Carillion Corvette, right? Where they pick up Obi-Wan? Yeah. So they, they get on and they get the they talk about they're the only two. But that there's a message out there asking all Jedi to go back to the temple. And so Yoda and Obi-Wan decide that they have to go to the temple to stop the signal. So that way they can try to save some of the Jedi that may have escaped. And at which time, when they do get back to Coruscant, Bail Organa gets a message saying that his presence is requested at the Senate building for a major speech by the Chancellor. And Bail says he'll be there. So that's the big why they're there kind of thing, like how they get them back to Coruscant and why they would be able to bring the Corvette and Obi-Wan and Yoda there. Well, it's effectively, it gives it gives Obi-Wan and Yoda the ability to get into the Jedi Temple. Right. It's a timing problem. Like once their presence is known... They have a limited amount of time until all of the clone troopers are trying to kill them. <laughs> and, and so if the, you know, if the emperor is busy becoming the emperor, he's not going to pay attention to that. Right. <laughs> and so it gives them the ability to get into the Jedi Temple, which they do with mighty flair and lots of burning and killing. <laughs> massive amount of bodies. <laughs> <laughs> they basically kill. A platoon. Yeah, a platoon store of because I guess there's no real crafty, sneaky way to get into the Jedi Temple. You just got to kill your way in. So they do. <laughs> <laughs> that which makes sense because I mean, do you think that most churches have crafty ways of getting into the church? No. no. Why should you sneak into a church? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, they kill their way into the Jedi Temple, and then they see all the other dead bodies. <laughs> all the Jedi. And Obi Wan notices, like, not even the younglings were spared. He said. Yep. And Yoda's like. Yeah, if you take a closer look, those were not from blasters. <laughs> this was a uh, this was a lightsaber, and then Obi Wan's incredulous. Who could have done this? Who? who? Although when Obi Wan left, you know, they had that super amazing talk with each other, and so, like in his mind, there's no way that Anakin has decided to go to the dark side and kill a bunch of kids. <laughs> we're talking about this like it's nothing, but that someone that you know so well to kill. Children. Yes. You know, and not in a, I'm sorry, I have to do this. Like, no, I'm just, you know, you're nothing. I'm going to cut you down. Like, I'm killing them on purpose. Oh, that, huh, that makes it so much better. <laughs> like, wait, no, what's the other word? Worse. That makes right. it worse. <laughs> oh, you're a monster. I get it now. <laughs> I think we're trying to make this shit worse because it's just. That terrible. I mean, one of those things that you can definitely say about George Lucas about making effective storytelling was that making this a point did show just 
how terrible Anakin and Darth Vader are. Yeah, like I guess when you decide to go to Dark Side, you take it all the right. way, buddy. <laughs> you justified the murder of children and then did mm-hmm. it. Like yourself, <laughs> you didn't even do it with a gun. Like, like that's the thing. You get into the psychology, psychological space of people killing people with guns, and you're trained to shoot at movement and that stuff, and and the horror people go through when they realize, oh, they've accidentally killed a child, or you know, even in a war zone where you know you might have like a ten to fifteen year old kid who's been trained or brainwashed more or less to fight, uh-huh. and you're getting shot at, so you shoot back and you you kill him, and then you go through the psychological horror of realizing you've killed a child, but Anakin. And just like, yep, yeah, no, I'm gonna do it with my lightsaber at hands length. <laughs> yep, I'm doing this to save the galaxy and my wife. Yep, and that's all the justification I need. <laughs> yes, like, children's lives are worth saving the galaxy and my wife, <laughs> and not in that order. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely no concept of taking in what you know Padme's thought process on that being, which would she be okay with being saved if it costed me having to kill a whole bunch of children nah, i'm sure she'd be fine with it <laughs> like no <laughs> what is wrong with you <sighs> then we go another scene where obi-wan's in front of what basically is like a cd-rom tray that shows a hologram and it's him tweaking with it then after that it goes back into its little compartment and obi-wan finds yoda and says you know it's done now any Jedi who hears the message will know not to come here. Oh yeah, and then they're then they're going to leave and Obi-Wan's like, Well, I'm gonna go check the security camera because I just don't think I cannot you know, I cannot know who did this or who betrayed us effectively. Well, he knows. He goes, look, I, I, I know what I'm going to find, but I have to know for certain. So I, I don't I don't honestly know if Obi-Wan knows it at that point. I think Yoda definitely does. And I think Yoda does because he's dived into the Force, more or less. I think Obi-Wan has purposefully not. Right. Well, I think, like, deep down he knows what it is, but he's not willing to believe it. I think he's afraid. Yes. I think there's a fear. Like, uh, there's a possibility. Like, I'm really hoping it's not. But there is a possibility, and I have to make sure. Um, but I don't think he – I think in his mind it's it may more be more like a 50-50 sort of deal – and he's just really, really hoping it's not Anakin. Right. Because <laughs> he's, you know, when he sees that it is Anakin, he gets like, like, I can't believe this. Like, this is, you know, he gets very incredulous and like, oh, my gosh, how? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and then he has that conversation with Yoda, you know, and Yoda's like, all right, we got to stop the Sith. And he's like, I can't go after him. He's like a brother to me. <laughs> right. You know, Obi-Wan says, look, let me go after the Emperor. I can't kill Anakin. He's like a son to me. He's like a brother to me. You can't ask me to do this. And Horse Yoda's like, oh, but you're not strong enough. But this is one of those cases where you're just like, you really want to put Obi-Wan through this. I mean, I get that it's a tough choice, but I mean... Yeah. And the reason why he he persists is because Yoda knows that Obi-Wan will do what he must. Although, honestly, I got to admit, if I was... Yoda and Obi-Wan, I think it would have been better for both of them to go after the Emperor. <laughs> right. That's another thing, too, is the, why didn't you just decide to do it together and tackle both of these things together? got to know that there aren't many of you left, and that sticking together has got to be your best plan at this point. Yeah. I agree. I'm not, I, I'm not sure I understand Yoda's thinking on that one. Yeah. Because Yoda's, 
he's obviously the most intelligent one of the council, but he just, you know, he's like one of those, like, I'm just going to let people make their own choices here, you know? Yeah, he he gives advice, but then he doesn't force people or, or, you know, he doesn't make a lot of the real decisions throughout the movies until this one. Like, this is one of his only real decisions. (laughs) Right. And... It's not great. I gotta be honest. (laughs) Yes, if you have to split the party, you one of you has to take the emperor and the other has to take uh, Vader. Then yeah, this was the way to do it. As horrifying as that is, but the reality is you didn't have to do it that way. If you both go kill the emperor, then the whole Vader thing you can take care of after that, (laughs) right? Or vice versa. Shoot, if they'd done it vice versa, then Yoda could have gone on his own to face Palpatine then. At least that decision-making part would have made more sense. Because then you're not putting Obi-Wan in such an emotional turmoil by himself. Like, Obi-Wan, you stay here and scout on the Emperor. I'm going to go kill Anakin. I mean, Vader. I'm going to go take care of him. (laughs) (laughs) Don't use the gay word. Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and I'll be back and we'll take care of this together. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, they eventually make the terrible decision that uh, Obi-Wan has got to go get Anakin and Yoda is going to go take care of the Emperor. And what's more interesting part here, too, is Obi-Wan's like, I don't even know how to find him. And this is one of those things where, again, you see Obi-Wan and Yoda in this line of thinking that they're not strict doctrine Jedi. Because Yoda says, use your feelings and you'll know where to find him. And so the next scene is Obi-Wan going to Padme saying, you know, I have to find Anakin. He's turned to the dark side. Her not believing it, much like Obi-Wan. And saying, I've seen video of him killing children. Which I, even now, I still have to stifle a laugh. Like, <laughs> like that scene, the way it's played out, it's so soap opera. Oh my gosh. Here's the thing. How do you show a reaction so strong to something like that being said? Yeah. If someone were to tell you that, you know, you wouldn't have any expression on your face because... It would take your brain a solid 30 seconds to process. Yeah, literally your first, like, your first statement after being deadpan would be, what? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that was more of George going, I don't know how to make this believable, because the the most believable reaction is going to be no reaction whatsoever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you have have Ian McGregor biting his knuckle and be like, I saw a security recording of him killing younglings. (laughs) He was playing with his mustache. <laughs> his mustache, that's right. As he's facing away from her and her going, I can't believe that. Mm-hmm. You're just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> like you said, I mean, I agree. It was a little bit hard to watch because you're just like, you could tell it's forced emotion. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, trying to show that emotion. You know, it's forced emotion in a setting where I think it was the wrong forced emotions. It wasn't quite right. So then, you know, this proves to be more or less a ruse. Well, she says, I can't tell you. So he says, okay. Or, well, he doesn't say anything. He starts to walk away and says, you know, Anakin's the father, right? Knowing that she's pregnant because she obviously you know, yeah, she's not hiding it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. Then he leaves and she decides she can't sit there anymore. She's going to her ship. Somehow she convinces her security guard to not go with her. And she says, C-3PO will watch after me. <laughs> She's like, oh, the fighting's done. Like, even a security guard would be like, so that doesn't mean anything. I'm your bodyguard for a reason. I was your bodyguard and was around you all the time before there was a war. (laughs) (laughs) 
now you're entrusting yourself to a robot that was literally built by the man you're going to see, who you've been told killed children. <laughs> Let's think through this. And you're going to a planet of lava. <laughs> the lava, yes. It's literally a volcanic planet. The whole thing. It's all volcanic. Well, that sounds awful. It is. <laughs> it's just awful. But you say you can take care of yourself, so you know what? <laughs> all right, this <laughs> I didn't want to be your bodyguard anyway. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. Remember, we have a uh, website, patandthefatman.com, and we're on Patreon. So if you'd like to support the show, head on over and become a fan or a huge fan or a big fan or really big fan or whatever kind of fan you want to be. Tell your friends. Rate us on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or if you have a platform you'd like us to be on, please let us know. Thank you very much. This has been another episode of Pat the Fat Man. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. Stay classy. May the force be with you. I'm sorry. We we, we managed to, to make it uh, another two episodes into episode three because we spent five minutes arguing about the name of R2-D2's girlfriend. Or wife. Or wife. (laughs) It's Lucinda, damn it. Move on. (laughs)